Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see you guys. I've been waiting for Sunday to get here. I cannot wait to share with you some of the amazing things that God is doing through the missions ministry here at the church. My name is Janice, and I have the incredible privilege of serving here as the missions director. Now, people ask me all the time, what is a missions director? And then what exactly do you do, right? Because we all have a job description. Well, let me just start by saying that I have the greatest job in the world. I really mean that. I get to work alongside some amazing folks and partners to really help Mount Horeb do a couple things. To learn, to learn more about the world around us and ways that we can get involved. To pray to have prayer initiatives that allow God to unleash things across the globe that literally will bring him glory and change the world, and finally, to serve. You know, my my hope today is that we all will um, just feel a nudge from the Lord, that his sweet, tender voice will speak to our hearts, and that we will hear the truth that he is calling us to join him in covering the earth for his glory. So we are in our second week of our mission series called Cover the Earth. Last week, if you were here, you heard a powerful message from Dr. Jerry Kula. Now, Jerry is one of our missions partners who serves in Liberia and literally is changing the the culture there by the outward spreading of the gospel to the people there. So it was powerful. And today we're gonna continue that series. So would you join me in prayer as we get started? Father, we're just gonna ask that you do something in this place today that will just leave us in awe and wonder. That you'll move our hearts to really see you to understand more about who you are and what your mission is for the world, that we would be able to join you wholeheartedly in bringing heaven to earth. So God, I'm just gonna ask that you just prepare us, that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and that they would be pleasing to you and that your word would not return void, but would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I thought I would start by kind of telling you guys a little bit of my personal story and how I got involved in this mission thing in the first place. And it started back in 2006 after Hurricane Katrina. And we were sending teams from Mount Horeb to go and do some relief work there. And I thought, I probably don't wanna do that. Like that doesn't seem to be within my gifting until there was an invitation for us to come and do vacation Bible school. Now I knew something about that. I could do VBS. And so I packed up my kids and a team from Mount Horeb and off we went to Van Cleve, Mississippi. Now if you know anything about Mississippi in July, it is hot. I mean really hot, hotter than Lexington is. And what I thought was gonna be just this wonderful life-changing experience kind of wasn't. Instead, it was really, really, really hard. Like I said, it was hot. We had to sleep on the floor. And, and I mean we, meaning a whole bunch of us ladies in one room, mattress to mattress, on the floor. Everything about it was uncomfortable physically. But not only that, as we drove through the towns and we saw the devastation left in the wake of this hurricane, it's kind of this overwhelming feeling of, Hopelessness, like what in the world can I do 
to make a difference in the face of so much loss and so much need. And so about halfway through the week, I'm not even kidding you, I said out loud to the Lord, I am never doing this again. Like I said it out loud, don't do that. Let me just tell you, don't do that. But I did. I turned away from the Lord and said, done. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I've earned my, my good Christian missions badge that I can put on my little, you know, good Christian sash that we don't really have, but that sometimes we think we need to have or whatever. I was like, one and done, checking it off the list, not going back. Literally, this, is, this was my mindset. But in spite of all this internal angst that's going on, incredible ministry did take place. And the Lord may have even used me in spite of it because that's who he is. But the truth was, I kept telling myself that my heart was just too tender for this mission stuff. But instead, what was happening inside is it wasn't that my heart was softening, my heart was hardening. Because that's what happens when we say no to the Lord which I had done. Well, fast forward three years, and some holy amnesia had set in at this point, and I was asked to go with our high school students to Haiti. Now, if I'm telling you the truth, the only reason I said yes is because my oldest child was gonna be one of those students, and there was no way she was going to Haiti without her mama. You know what I'm talking about? And so I said, yes, I will go because I gotta protect her. And I kind of had forgotten how rough the first one had been before, right? So our plane lands in the city of Port-au-Prince. And Port-au-Prince, it's, it's hard, y'all. I mean, it's, it's so many people in so much poverty. It was August, so it was hot, even hotter than Mississippi in July. There was homelessness, poverty everywhere we looked. The sounds were overwhelming. The smell of burning coal just permeated your nostrils. And I thought... I'm gonna die here. Like, I didn't think I would make it home. I really didn't. And I felt myself going to that same place of wondering what in the world am I doing here? And I'd like to think that it's because I was a little bit more spiritually mature at this time, but I think the truth is I was just a little bit more desperate. And so I cried out to the Lord and I said, help me, help me. Instead of turning away from him, I turned towards him and I said, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? Would you open my eyes not to see necessarily all of the mess and the destruction and the poverty, but instead let me see the people, these beautiful people made in your image. Would you allow me to be your hands and to be your feet and even to be your mouthpiece? And God was faithful God was faithful. He gave me a new perspective. And this time, instead of seeing hopelessness, I saw opportunity. Opportunity for Jesus to receive glory as people were coming to know him in faith, as the gospel was proclaimed to children, as the hungry were fed, as people were clothed, as the sick were being healed, God was receiving glory. You see, I realized it wasn't about me, but it was about Jesus. And that when I took my eyes off of myself and what I thought I could do and bring to the table and instead set my eyes on the king of kings and what he could do, everything shifted. I didn't turn away. Instead, I turned towards. And our theme for this series, Cover the Earth, speaks to the very heart of our missional God and the calling that he's given to his church. 
You see, God created the world and the people in the world for him to have a relationship with them. That was his desire to have fellowship with all people and all nations. But if you know anything about the book of Genesis, you know that these first people, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They rebelled against God. And when sin entered the earth, everything became permeated. Everything was broken. With sin comes idolatry. With sin comes disasters. With sin comes disease. With sin comes evil of all kinds and cultural decay. It's not how God intended it. I think when we look around our earth, we can see this is not how God intended it to be. He intended it to be like it is in heaven, underneath his rule and his reign. But God's word reminds us that even though everything around us may look like it's falling apart, that we can have hope. That as Christians, we have hope that one day Jesus will return and that he will set everything straight, restore everything that is broken. Between Christ's first coming, the inauguration of his kingdom, and his second coming, the consummation of his kingdom, or the already not yet, we find ourselves right here in this time period, the middle. We're right here in the middle, and God invites us you and me, to join him in the good work that he's doing to announce his love, to demonstrate his love across the world. Our theme verse comes from the book of Habakkuk. Can you guys say Habakkuk with me? And I don't even know. That's how we pronounce it down here in the South. So we're just going to say Habakkuk. And I'm going to ask you um, to get ready to open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. But would you do that by turning to your table of contents? I mean, let's be real. We don't know where Habakkuk is, right? And so we don't want to make our, our, our neighbor beside us stumble because they don't know and maybe we do. So let's all just grab our Bibles open to the table of contents, go to the Old Testament, track down to the last book, back up five, and there's our friend Habakkuk. And while you're getting there, I'm gonna give you a little bit of history about what's going on. Now, Israel was a nation that was chosen by God to be a holy people, set apart a blessing to all of the nations because of their relationship with the one true God. But the problem was is Israel sinned and rebelled against God over and over and over again. And the history of the kings of Israel was characterized by constant disobedience. Only a handful of their kings were faithful. And whenever a disobedient leader rose to power, he would lead the whole nation astray into idolatry. And Habakkuk was a prophet during the height of Israel's moral decay. It was around 600 BC, and he lived during a period of time where there had been national revival under a good king, but now the nation had fallen back into evil again um, under a, an unfaithful king. And Habakkuk wrestles with the question of why would God let evil go unpunished and then why would he bring calamity on his own people? I want you to picture a man who trusted God. He was perplexed by what he saw around him. And his prophecy was directed to a world that according to God's people must have looked like it was on the very edge of disaster. Sounds oddly relevant to us today, doesn't it? 
Well, Habakkuk cries out to God and he complains and God responds. And in his response, he offers a beacon of hope that just wasn't for the people of his time, but for the people of today. Would you look at chapter two, verse 14? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, this one passage states that no matter how bad things get, no matter how broken our world, no matter how much darkness seems to be increasing, that even then, even now, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. And if we choose to believe this and not be overwhelmed by the state of things around us, we can be motivated to join God in this good work. You see, we have a choice. We can view all of the broken, messed up people and things through the eyes of hopelessness and develop a hard heart. We can choose to turn away, like I did in Mississippi. We can turn off the news, we can avoid the painful and the brokenness. We can choose to protect ourselves, to hide away in fear, it's not safe out there or over there. We can say no to entering into these places as ambassadors of Christ. Or we can turn towards it. We can view everything as opportunity for God to receive glory as the knowledge of him spreads across the earth. We can live by faith and not by sight. I found this quote by preacher and author George Buttrick, and it said, the same sun that hardens the clay melts the wax. In other words, the same set of circumstances can either make us hard on the inside or can soften us, can harden us, soften us. Brokenness and darkness around us in our world can harden us or soften us. It's our choice. And Habakkuk too had a choice. He saw his world falling apart. He turned to God. He expressed his complaints, his questions, and then he responded in faith with a prayer. And I'm going to read to you from chapter 3, verses 17 through 20 from the message. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, Though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to God my Savior, counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. You see, he responded in faith, counting on God's rule to prevail. So how will you respond to the injustice in our world? How will you respond to the darkness that seems to be increasing and covering the earth? Will you turn away from God and his mission? Or will you turn towards it and embrace the calling that he's put on us? Will you let your heart be hardened? Or will you let your heart be softened? I wanna tell you a story of some friends of mine um, from India. And the, the main story is about a little guy. And when he was four years old, He was kidnapped. He was kidnapped by a very, very evil man who bound him and took him very far from his home. He forced him to beg in the Hindu temples, and at night he would tie him to him so that he couldn't escape or run away. And then to claim him as his own property, he branded, the kidnapper branded his name on the arm of this precious child, and he renamed him Rakesh. Rakesh was taught how to beg and how to steal, and he would be 
just pulled along behind this man from place to place to place to place. And they survived basically on the money that he could bring in from begging. Well, one night after many years, the man left enough wiggle room in the rope that he was able to slip his hand out and run away. And he remembers running as far as he could and then he saw a train, so he jumped on the train and he rode it to the end of the line. And the end of the line was the city of Pune in, in, in India, Pune Station. And when he got off, he found that there were a whole lot of other homeless kids there, lost children, street kids as they're called. And he joined a band of them and he stole and begged in order to survive. He remembers looking at all of the gods in the Hindu temples and wondering why none of them ever came to help him. One day when he was at his wit's end, he was hungry, hopeless. He leaned up a statue of Gandhi that was there in the square. And he, and he, and he said, God, are you real? Are you out there? And if so, where are you? Well, immediately, he felt a hand on his shoulder. It was one of our ministry partners. His name is Joy. And Joy and his brother Sandeep live in the city of Pune. They're from the poorest caste, the poorest of the poor, barely having enough to survive on themselves. But when they saw the homeless children in their city, it wasn't okay with them. Their lives had been radically transformed by the gospel. And so they wanted to live to make Christ known in their city. And so they would take food and blankets to the kids um, that were staying in the street and they would offer them love, a place to come, a safe place to sleep, food in their bellies. And oh yes, you better believe it, they would tell them about Jesus. My friend remembers being able to see the Jesus film for the first time in his own language. And he said he watched it and he saw the picture of God who came down to save people and serve people. And this was unlike any God he'd ever heard of. And he asked to watch the movie again and he watched it again and again and again and again, each time having the, the brokenness and the hardness and all of the distrust in his heart begin to melt away until finally he opened his heart to Jesus and he surrendered everything to him. He surrendered his whole life to the God who saw him, to the God who sent someone to rescue him when he was hopeless. And he changed his name. His name was no longer Rakesh at that point. He changed his name to Rohit. And then he joined Joy and his brothers in their ministry. Now they are the founders of a ministry in India called Hope of Glory. And with funding from Mount Horeb and some other churches, they provide a safe home for children who have been rescued off the streets and out of the red light district. Not only do they provide a home for children, but they minister to the poorest of the poor in the largest slum in their city. They plant churches. They proclaim Jesus to people. They do children's ministry. And my friend Rohit is one of the leaders now of the ministry to the children in the slums. Hundreds of children come every week to learn about Jesus. You see, Joy and Sandeep, they had a choice. They could have turned away from the overwhelming need, despair, and evil of their country. Less than 2% are Christian. They are persecuted for being Christian. They could have gone into their little, into their little safe space and self-protected. 
But that isn't what God did for them, so that's not what they were gonna do for God. Instead, they stepped out, and they didn't say, God, what can one person possibly do? What can I do? Instead, they said, God, what can you do through me? What can you, God, do through me? And he's doing an amazing work through them, bringing hundreds of people into saving faith with Jesus. So practically, what does this look like for us? You know, I've said it's our choice how we're gonna respond. And I believe that really our response is determined by which way we turn, whether we turn away from Jesus or we turn towards him. And as the church, we are called to turn towards Jesus, right? And I wanna share with you some verses from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 20. You see, when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we commit to following him, we become a new creation. We have a new calling, a new identity. Verse 14 says, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the, ministry, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus in this place today, you are a new creation. You have a new identity. It is as an ambassador of the king. And you have a new calling. It said in the verses that, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, which is acts of service that point people to Jesus, the meeting of physical needs. We've been given the message of reconciliation, proclaiming, announcing the truth of the gospel to those who've never heard. This is our calling. You and me, it's our calling. It means that the mission of God becomes our mission. And his mission is to restore fellowship with all people from all nations through his son, Jesus Christ. It's his mission, it's our mission. And this reconciliation is holistic. It means making disciples here and there. It means demonstrating the love of Christ here and on the other side of the earth. It means announcing and proclaiming that our God rules and reigns and that he loves us and died for us both here and there. We get to choose how we're gonna re respond. We get to choose if we're gonna live into this calling as, as Christ's ambassadors. And many in this church have. God is using many of you to change the world and your sphere of influence. And I wanna celebrate a little bit of, of that with you today. As a church, we have 23 local partnerships, 13 missionaries and 14 global partners, a total of 50 partners that we walk alongside, work alongside, share resources with. And people in this congregation are working with kids and families in poverty here in Lexington, building ramps to help the mobility impaired, 
providing ministry to the homeless, fighting for the unborn, providing services for families experiencing addiction, foster care and adoption services, home building, emergency shelters for women and children, prison ministry, and the list goes on and on. We've got folks responding to the devastation of natural disasters, both here and across the sea, joining the fight against global poverty and sex trafficking, supporting the persecuted church, providing orphan empowerment, child sponsorships, planting churches to announce the good news to Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslim people groups across the globe. Over $700,000 of our operating budget goes directly to support these ministries. In addition, another, another 200,000 yearly in designated giving is helping to start new ministries and to support them. Not only that, but in kind given, you all have provided 250 backpacks filled with school supplies for kids in our local district. 709 children in Lexington School District 1 are walking around sporting a brand new coat, thanks to you. And over 8,000 pounds of food has been given to Mission Lexington to feed the hungry. 700 kids have been sponsored through you all through Compassion International. Last year, we gave 11 hundred Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes, and I don't, I'm anxious to see what comes in today. And so far, we've given $33,000 for um, hurricane relief in the Bahamas. Can we just celebrate what God is doing? I can tell you story after story of people who may seem quite ordinary, people like you and like me, who are doing incredible things to change the world. Folks who have looked upon a lost and broken world and with a softened heart trusted Jesus and with his strength and his vision are bringing light into darkness all over the globe. Last Sunday, as a church, we began our 30-day missions devotional. And if you picked one up and haven't started it yet, I'm gonna ask you to do that. And if you haven't gotten one, please get, please get one today. I believe they're also available on, on the church website if you don't have a hard copy. Um, but each of these stories is a true story of someone somehow connected to this body of believers right here who is serving in their context to bring the love of Christ to a dark and hurting world. And I believe that God wants to use this series and those devotions in three ways. First of all, I believe he wants us to learn. And by learn, I mean every day has a scripture verse that was handpicked by the author of that story. And I'm gonna ask, don't skim over that. Don't look at it as something that's familiar to you, something that you've heard a million times or that you think doesn't apply to you. Instead, I'm gonna ask that you sit with it that you really just meditate on that scripture, that you allow the word of God to begin to soften and change your heart, that you would learn what God has to say about his heart for the world and for the lost. There's also some information on every day that's gonna help us learn about um, the world around us, global poverty, lost people, It'll increase our IQ and change and expand our worldview. So let's learn, first of all. Second is pray. I believe that prayer is not the least we can do, but the most we can do. And that when it comes to missions, that prayer is the primary work of God's people. The primary work. Circling back to Habakkuk, 
You know, we, we, we read his prayer of faith in chapter three, but I want to scoop back to verse two and read, read from chapter three, verse two. It says, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I've stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. You see, Habakkuk had heard the stories of how God set his people, the Israelites, free from slavery in Egypt. He'd heard the stories of how God had parted the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry land. He'd heard the stories of God dropping manna to feed them and going before them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, how he dropped the, 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 the wall around Jericho. He knew what God had done and he's saying, renew it in our day. Do it again, God. And I believe that as a prayer-driven church, if we would start praying and asking God to do it again in our day, that we would begin to see miracles that leave us standing in awe and wonder. My friend Joy, he prayed to God, saying, God, would you use me to show your love to lost kids on the streets of Pune? God, would you send me to one whose heart is ready to receive you? And in response to that prayer, God sent joy to a statue of Gandhi with a little boy praying, asking where God is. You see, when we pray big prayers, God begins to connect the dots. And I believe that there are children all over our city. There are adults and teens all over our city that are crying out saying, God, if you are real, where are you? And it is our job to answer that with our presence, with our resources, by showing up and entering into these places. There are people all over the earth that are saying the same thing. God, where are you? Are you real? God's calling us to pray for workers to be sent. God's calling us to pray that he would do in our day what he did then. And finally, to serve. Point number three is serve. That's how I believe God wants to use this series. And I have an audacious, an audacious ask. I'm just gonna say it. I'm asking the Lord that 100% of the people of Mount Horeb, that means every single one of us, the 5,000 of us that call Mount Horeb home, that all of us would step into our calling, our calling to be ambassadors for the cause of Christ across the globe. Do you know what 5,000 people could do in our world? We could change it. We could bring heaven down in the name of Jesus. We could make Jesus famous. Lost people could be found. Hurting people could be healed. And I've told you some stories about um, places across the world, in my experience across the world. But you know, there's incredible ministry happening right here locally Last week, I stepped into our 1010 Bridge ministry, which is a ministry that serves kids here in our local community who have been identified at, at being at risk of not reaching their potential without some additional love and support. And we've got two little children that I lovingly call precious opportunities because they are precious opportunities. Um, they are children that 
would make us pull our hair out on a bad day. You know what I mean? Anyway, these precious children are loved by God, and so we are committed to loving them. We're going to love them every day, and we're going to send in reinforcements. When one gets tired, we may have to send in some backup. So thank you to the mentors in the room who are serving. But last week, I stepped in as they were beginning their time of worship, and Alex from our praise team had just started to sing a song called Good, Good Father. And most of our children that are part of this ministry are fatherless, either because their fathers are incarcerated or they don't know who their dads are or they've been left by their dads. And this little boy, our precious opportunity, Alex started singing the chorus of Good, Good Father and he stood up. He's the only one standing he starts clapping and singing the words of the song. And then our other precious opportunity stands up and does the same thing. And in that moment, I saw it, y'all. I saw heaven coming down. These children have been loved. The sacrificial, unconditional love of their mentors in this church have loved them so that now they can stand and they can sing good, good father to the one true God who is their father and will never leave them. Lives are being changed. And it happens when we step out and we serve. I wanna read to you from um, this book. It's called Spiritual Leadership. And I just wanna read something. This is written by a missionary who's serving overseas and he was reading, writing back to his mission society back in the day when he wrote letters. And he says, but I'm weary. I've only written because I'm too weary to be working now and too tired to sleep. I'm getting prematurely old, they tell me, and doctors do not give me long to live unless the strain is eased a bit. My wife is wearier than I. She needs complete rest a while. Oh, that the church at home but realized one half of the opportunities of today. Will no one hear the call? Please do your best to help us. They were looking out at all of the precious opportunities in the context where they served. They were giving it their best, but they're tired. And I believe that there are folks all over the world crying out saying, church, would you come and help us? Our workers saying, would you send people to support us? Maybe God is calling you today to be one of those people. I believe God is calling all of us to step out and to serve somewhere to help bring heaven to earth. We've got some teams that'll be leaving out this, this year to serve both locally and globally. And I just invite you to join one of those, to join one of them. We've talked about Jesus being the light of the world. And this globe has been sitting here with the candles burning around it. And as we've been chatting and talking and learning and hopefully hearing from the Lord, the wax has been melting. It was hard when we started and we lit the flame and now it's soft. I believe that when we invite the son, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N, the son of the living God into our lives, that he does amazing things as he softens our heart. 
At the beginning of time in the book of Genesis, in the very second verse, it said darkness covered the earth, but the spirit of the Lord was hovering there. And then in the New Testament, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life within them. You see, we carry the light of Christ in us as his followers. And he's inviting us to join him in covering the earth. Now you see, one candle can't cover it all. One person isn't called to do it all. We're called to all take our part and do our part to bring light into the darkness, to share the love and the light of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I just come before you today with a heart that is filled with hope. I see what you're doing in the world, and we're going to ask that you would continue to do it, that you would continue to move in ways that leave us standing in awe and wonder, speechless, or proclaiming your goodness God, I just pray that we wouldn't leave here unchanged today, but that we would allow the truth of who you are and your desire to soften our heart, to break down the walls of unbelief and hopelessness and prejudice and anything that's standing in the way of us becoming your ambassadors. Move in us, Jesus. Move in us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.